Hey there, my name is Sean, and this is Grit, True Stories That Matter. Grit is a weekly podcast about stories, the contemporary personal narrative kind of story, the people that craft and tell them. Why, you ask? Well, we want to feature these tellers and their stories, and also to help you, our listeners, craft and tell better, more engaging, more relatable, and more memorable stories. True stories. Personal stories. Grit stories. We're nearing the end of season number three, dedicated to the best of and grit talks. And today, I'm having a conversation with a Mr. Corey Thomas May. Corey lives in Iowa City, Iowa. He is an accomplished storyteller, speaker, is part of the team for Teller's Bridge, which has got some new events happening in his area, and has recently been appointed the chairman, the chairperson of the National Storytelling Network. He is a busy man. As always, check the show notes for upcoming events, including the Mental Health Happyish Hour, which is a virtual open mic. Let us delay no further the conversation with Mr. Corey Thomas May. Corey, let's dive in. The tall man with the short name. You're wearing a Story Jam uh, t-shirt. Steph Rogers program out of Chicago. And you are not only Steph's friend, but sometimes you help her out with things like hosting the Story Serenade, which is one of her events, as well as the Cocoon. Am I right? Yes, that is correct. Story Serenade is live the first Friday in uh, the month in Highland Park, Illinois at Madame Zuzu's, which is Billy Corgan's vegan tea shop. The pastries are amazing. The Mm -hmm. tea is wonderful. Mm -hmm. The venue, pretty cool. Stephanie's got the cocoon, which is on the second Saturday of every month. It is virtual. It's an open mic story feedback loop workshop. We don't know exactly what it is, but it works. It works. I'd like to think it works. In large part because of your your presence and your uh, contributions. Thank you very much, good sir. I want to learn a little bit more about you, even though I know some of it. What component of storytelling do you want to talk about given your given your background in public speaking or professional speaking and toastmasters given your participation in grit swap stuff cocoon and uh, story jam stuff and i'll stop talking in a moment but this is the big one people recently minted appointed role as what do they call it the grandmaster of the nsn what is that called no it's chairman of the board of the national storytelling network I think what's important to me uh, in terms of story, stories happen to us and we carry our stories in our bodies. So it is a very much a sense-based thing. And then I think the next part of that is achieving a balance between the senses and thought. So if we were going to use two words for that, one would be my my favorite, you know it's going to be organoleptic. That's the first one. That is all about things that happen to us via our senses. And then the second would be noetic. N-O-E-T-I-C. Noetic of the mind. If we're telling a good story, it should be a synthesis of noetics and organoleptics. Bring them together. Might not be the only thing you need for a good story, but though that'll get you a long way. It certainly will. Corey and I actually met, we've known each other for probably close to two years, all Zoom, 
with one exception. Last fall, we met in Chicago for a show put on by Steph Rogers, the aforementioned Steph Rogers. And one, yes, he's tall. There's no doubt about that. He did a story. Uh, I don't think it has a title necessarily, but I'm titling it Superman. It's actually a very uh, short story, at least that version of it. Probably a couple minutes, two, three minutes at most. Good story. But that might be a good example of those two fancy words you used. So today we're going to talk mostly about craft stuff. It's the gritty gritty of story stuff. Now, did this knowledge and wisdom that you're dropping here help you get the gig as the grand, the grand board chairman? Not directly. I think mostly it was because I was in the, the room when it happened. <laughs> and sometimes that is sometimes how it happens. I think that's actually how my parents got married. It just <laughs> like <laughs> dad, how did you meet mom? Uh, she just happened to be in a homeroom one day and there she was. And that was it. Great. Could have been anybody. <laughs> so let's go back and break those two down. Yes. Organoleptic. It's an adjective acting on or involving the use of the sense organs. When you say that, and as people hear this, think about how you can apply this to your stories, of course. If we can talk about the specific crunch of a pretzel or something like that, or the, the, the way the salt feels on the tongue or the way Captain Crunch tears up the roof of our mouth, that's common tie. And it grounds you in a story as well. Two questions. One, yes. and this is where we get a little bit into details that serve the story versus details that may not be serving the story. And they're not always cut and dry. It's sometimes tricky. If I'm telling a story or somebody's telling a story about, you know, them realizing that they love pretzels, the taste of the pretzel makes a lot of sense to share. If it's mostly incidental in the story, and maybe you could argue it shouldn't even be in the story, then does that kind of detail serve or is it just a device that's sort of taking us out of the story? You know what I'm saying? I would say it depends on the context, right? Yeah. Let's say you and I are having a conversation over some heavy subject that's going on in our lives. And it's over uh, drinks and pretzels. I kinda, is that an imitation? <laughs> of course it is. We're sitting there at, this, at the dive at a high top and you are at a, on a bar stool on one side and I'm on the bar stool on the other. There's a bowl of pretzels between us. The silence happens. You ask this very powerful question that makes you vulnerable. Which is, I, I do a lot. You know? And there's a, a silence. Except for the crunch. Except for the crunch of this pretzel. That makes sense there that, because it's serving. Because I don't have anything to say and I'm buying time or I'm thinking as I'm chewing that pretzel and the glass is cold in my hands. So you're setting the scene for us to that moment between our conversation. Tactile sensations that are happening to us. Organoleptic deliciousness. Correct. But it doesn't mean every sense all the time is serving your story. It could really exactly. arguably get in the way of the story because all we're thinking about now is that other stuff and not the real sort of arc or the narrative sort of boom. So let's see. Let's talk about that for a moment. Well, a little goes a long way and too much is way too much. Yeah. However, if we've set that scene, we've talked about sitting at the, the high top table across from each other. That's a common enough experience that most people would say, oh, I have been there. And we talk about the crunch of the pretzel 
and the coldness of the glass in our hands. You can feel the condensation or you can see the condensation of the, the glass rolling down the side. Those are all things that bring us together. And those universal moments are stimulating mirror neurons in people's heads. And right now we're together. So the next thing that you say, we're in the scene. The next thing that you say is now more believable. Or more higher stakes or something. Yes. Again, it's a balance point there. Too much and it bogs the story down. Too little, I don't know where you are or what you are doing. This doesn't ground me in this situation. Balance point of the organoleptics put us right there. Here's one of those moments in your story about you being uh, wearing rubber socks. Yes, that was the story I told shortly after you told your Superman story in Chicago. Indeed. And there's a point in Sean's story where he talks about he's not going to move and he talks about his rubber socks. That description and standing in uh, socks with rubber soles puts you in a, sp- in a spot where you know what that feels like, or mm-hmm. you can imagine what that feels like and how difficult it would be to move, Sean, <laughs> in that moment. Right. I love when you and others use me as the example. You are quite an example. It you makes are a role feel, model, Sean. It makes me feel special, and it makes me feel very underappreciated by most Sense stuff matters. Now, let's go on to this other word that is new to me. Noetic. Relating Uh, to mental activity or the intellect. So first, stories happen to us. We remember this story. So there's a little bit of the noetics there. But if we're in the middle of the story, we're seeing and feeling, hearing, tasting, being touched by those sensations. Right. Right. So that's happening to our body and our body's recording those things. At the same time, when we're getting ready to retell that story, that's when the mind is interpreting that. For a simple example, the eye sees, the brain interprets. The ear hears, the brain interprets. The mouth tastes, the brain interprets. When we are creating the more polished end of the story, that is where the organoleptics and the noetics mesh. That's that mesh point. So you're able to translate all this raw data into something coherent. As we go through and create stories, this thing, this event happened to us and it happened to our body. And then now we're recalling it and we're interpreting it. Well, hang on. When you say it happened to our body, we went through something, right? Yes. I was in the hospital for that story. I think you were on the playground for your Superman story, if I remember yeah. correctly. Mm-hmm. There's no choice for, for it to also happen to our bodies because we're there. We're experiencing the world. In order to be of and in the world, the action of a story, something's happening. Yes. You can't yes. not be a sensorial part of that. There has to be organoleptics. You don't have to include it in your story. You're saying it might be a good idea to explore that. That's right. And remember, after the fact, right? that's when our brain is kicking in and saying, hey, wait a second, what happened to you was the right thing or the wrong thing, or you were lucky because that missed you by that much. So the noetics, you know, there, there are thoughts that you're having in the moment of the story. Mm-hmm. And then there's the reflection. 
you're writing a story, you're crafting a story, you've got to recall some of the events. We're not going to get into how our memories sometimes fail us. We're doing it as honestly as we can recall, presumably. Right. Then there's this other part of making meaning from it. Exactly. And if you don't make any meaning from it, I would argue, one, it might not be a story, but it's probably not a particularly strong story. There's got to be something there because I think there's an agreed upon idea that if your story doesn't include or isn't about some kind of movement or change or shift or something, it's kind of not a story and maybe even forgettable. Most even of the best anecdotes, there are some exceptions, of course, kind of forgettable. Right. Not always. I've heard some great anecdotes by some very skilled orators or comedians that you remember, but it's not the same. It's we deal with whatever it is in the moment. And then later on, we have our opportunity to reflect. Mm-hmm. And if we don't ever get to that reflection, the story, it, it just happened to us. But if we reflect, then we can assign meaning and value to whatever has happened to our bodies and our minds in those moments. And therein is a couple of thoughts I have on that. That's where we really, I think, connect most as people. Far less on the events, more on your thoughts or feelings about the event, what it means to you, meant and or means to you is the real. The other thing I'll say is, you know, sometimes it takes some work. You're reflecting on it. You're not clear. Maybe it's too soon. Yeah, huh, I don't know. Maybe there's no story there, but maybe there is. Maybe there's a few stories there. Oh, definitely. I think there's multiple ways to look at a story. If you are attempting to dig into all the the seriousness and it doesn't land, turn it 90 degrees and find the humor in it. Play around with it. Absolutely. All right. We talked a little bit about the craft and we focused on organoleptics and no edits. So let, let me make a brief statement about NSN and the National Storytelling Network and what my role is. As chairman of the board, Hmm. it's my vision to empower our members to be as strong as they can be. So it's all about empowering people to do what they do. A former business mentor told me this, you put your aces in their places and then you let them go. You let them do what they do. Hmm. I don't have all the answers, but I know the answers are in the room to achieve things that are greater than what any one person could do. Is that an official statement? That is indeed an official statement. Storynet.org is the current domain. I'll put a link to that. That would be great. In addition to NSN, what about your coaching, sir? You got a website? That would be storyprospector.com. I own the domain, but I need to put that out there as my story coaching. Did I help you come up with that name? I feel like you owe me money. No, you did not. I feel like I did. No, no, you did not. I I can honestly tell you that in my heart of hearts, as someone who has helped you uh, acquire the taste for Uncle Nearest. That's true. (laughs) That's true. No, you did not have any that one. That is a a third time and equally definitive no. Okay, noted. (laughs) So you're saying that I'm not integral to all important decisions in your life. Fair. Talked a little bit about the craft, talked a little bit about NSN. We're not talking about CoreyMay.com. I do want to chat for a few minutes about StoryProspector.com. If you go there now, you probably won't see anything, but you will. Is that story and does that overlap with speaking? Because I think it's an interesting space of how, and it's not new to them. They're aware, but they're somewhat often bastardizing it. Yes, you heard me. 
using story effectively within a presentation or a speech or a talk, call whatever you want. Right. We do story typically, and it's its own encapsulated thing. Speeches have more neatly wrapped up in a bow kind of conclusions. Stories don't need that. You don't necessarily have the Hollywood ending where everything's happy flower kitty land and it's all rah-rah goodness. Uh, sometimes the hero doesn't get the the prize. Sometimes the heroine doesn't get the guy. Um, sometimes people just don't connect. Sometimes people have hurt feelings at the end of a story. It happens. Right. What is the, uh, not the tagline, but the idea a little bit more specific than just story coach for story prospector? Well, story prospector, I want to help people mine, define, and refine their stories. Can I steal that? No. You may not. But I like that sort of alliterative way, because you're good at that. You're quite the wordsmith. I will give you that for sure. Not just a wordsmith. Other There's things more good. assonance, Sean. The repetition of the vowel phrases as opposed to the consonant, which would be alliterative. I should cut that out of the podcast. <laughs> which the guests one up one ups me. Do not make the final cut of the podcast. <laughs> I didn't one up you. I merely merely shared things that you already knew, but simply forgot. But no, noetically speaking, right now, I mean, you did okay. I love that though. That's why I like you, and because you do do that, and you are a smart guy, and you're smart ass sometimes. So mine define, yes, refine. All right, I can already imagine the signature speech connected to story prospector work with those three words. Everybody plots out a little deed. And at this deed, this is where this story happened. So I'm going to dig at this spot based on this experience. And yeah. from here, we're going, to, we're going to find what that is. So we found this experience. We're going to pull this raw thing out. We're going to pull this raw chunk of, of story out, clean it up. And we're saying, turning at it, uh, turning it and looking at it from all different perspectives. Yes. And saying, here we are, this is how we define this story. And then that next stage is chipping away everything that isn't essential to that story and saying, now here is your story. I think the, ref the refining is the most challenging part for many people. That's the real craft, recraft, real work. Well, I think they go in progressive order because first of all, uh -huh. you got to dig, you got to dig this thing out, whatever it is. You have to define, stake your claim here and say, this is where my story is. Now, it could be that your story is two feet further, and that's where the real story is. But you you start someplace, and then you start digging. And then once you dug, you're digging, and then you hit gold or something, or you hit something, and then you start cleaning that off and saying, what is this chunk of material that I've got? At some point, you can have all the mentors that you want. That's great. But if you want to really step up your game, yeah. then you're going to need to pay for a coach. That's one thing. And then business-wise, if you're looking to make your story work and connect with your audience of customers, mm -hmm. you should probably have a story coach on board or someone who is gifted in storytelling so that they can help craft that moment. And you're going to see multiple moments, multiple sure. moments of interaction, customer satisfaction, customer dissatisfaction prior to you receiving uh, them receiving whatever your product is. 
again, word of mouth, look at how our life has changed because of this product. Just to be clear, somebody who's good at this doesn't mean they're a good teacher or coach, but that's just my own little. Oh, that's true. That's very true. Teaching is its own thing, but people don't realize it until they don't have a gun. Um, do you have any idea why you give a shit about this stuff? From the time we were little kids, we were uh, someone f- uh, shared a fairy tale with us or a folk tale. You have these moments where imagination is brought to the fore. You're supposed to picture this scene and then creativity because, hey, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. And then as a child, you're creativity starts helping you and sparking your imagination. And so, no, I would tell that tale this way. Well, at some point or another, we grow up and we read fiction or we read nonfiction. Fiction is merely an extension of a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's grounded in reality. Maybe it's science fiction. Maybe mm-hmm. it's fantasy. Maybe it's a mystery, whatever. But it is grounded in that fairy tale beginning. Every day we are living through stories. That's how we communicate. I think it was Jeremy Sue in the Scientific American 2008 said 65% of our day is spent telling stories. Whether we are standing around the water cooler, mm. gossiping, we're, we're telling stories. Some kind of version of a story. Yeah. Yeah. And it matters. And I always think too, like if you're not telling your story, somebody is. Well, yeah, of course. And we'll take it even further. You remember those old people in your life who had lots and lots of stories? He or she who has the best stories wins. Wins what? It wins just in terms of you've had a great life or you've had a life filled with experiences if if you have a lot of stories. Like my grandparents, they were lived into their 90s. And they had lots of stories. And these things, these events that happened to their bodies that they remember from their mind influenced me. Because of that, I love stories. Heck, I've been reading comic books since I was five years old. (laughs) I love story. Leave it to the chairman of the board of the NSN to bring it all back to where we started with organoleptic and noetic, connecting it to my question. Who else can do that other than Corey Thomas, Maine, Iowa City, Iowa? Last question. In six months from now, if we're talking, what's one big thing that has changed in your life related to story? Actually, it will be probably seven, uh, several of them. One, storyprospector.com will be launched. I will have cleaned up uh, coreymay.com. NSN will be rolling, rocking and rolling with lots and lots of member participation. Wow. I would anticipate that I will have competed in several moths by then, hopefully bringing home good stories and uh, sharing good stories and bringing home uh, the satisfaction of having, having done well. The trophy is secondary to the ability to connect. Because here's the thing. Audience knows when you have connected well. Mm. I think it was um, Rashid Wallace that once said, ball don't lie. I think story don't lie either. Is that what he said? I think he said, ball don't lie. The whole Mm -hmm. point is, whether we win or not, well-crafted story connecting with the audience lands and sticks with people. I like that. I like sticky people. (laughs) Who doesn't like sticky people? NSN, baby, you're talking to the champ. This is the champ right here. NSN, 
chairman of the board officially, among other things. Corey is a regular and ongoing participant and contributor to uh, the Swap Shop, which for the time being could change. Still has an open meeting 3 p.m. Eastern on Fridays. So that's an option for you if you're hearing this and you want some feedback on your stories. That's correct. You were one of the places that I landed when I first started getting into storytelling uh, almost two years ago. I think you're right. It was in the middle of the pandemic and I started showing up to the swap shop. And what's important to me is the swap shop has made me improve. You, you, you can't put a dollar um, figure. You can't put a full price tag on that. Although we all owe Sean 20% of everything uh, that we owe or earn as a storyteller. 20% of nothing is nothing remains nothing, but it's, um, it's vital for us to say that this is an ongoing organization and it's an ongoing meeting. And Sean, I've improved because of it. And I hope that everyone involved has improved because of it as well. I'm sure there's been some improvement in some way, right? There's all kinds of ways you can measure that. Yeah. Oh, hey, you know, I do have one request of you. Oh, dear. You want me to come up with another domain name for you? Sure. (laughs) I want you to tell more stories. For those of you who don't know, listening out in podcast land, Sean is an incredible storyteller. Well, thank you, Corey. I just am trying to juggle a few things and I don't want to over overdo anything. And, you know, as I've shared, I like uh, take my time with them, massage them. I don't need to be the guy pounding them out. But I do admire people who are whether they're in, in our community or others where they, yeah, they seem to have a lot of them, but that's a little overwhelming for me. Here's wow. one of the things. I think it's a daily discipline for us to write. I think we need to do at least some bit of writing every day in order to flush the pipes out and bring those stories out because sometimes they're buried in there. And again, I just keep going back to the old folks in my life who always have a story to tell. It's because they're living. Part of the the strength of storytelling is living. Yeah. You have to experience things in order to be able to tell about them. Unless you're a liar. Well, I think you really should be experiencing many of the things. Of course. Many of the experience, you have to go through things, right? It's It would be hollow if I told you about heartbreak and I never experienced it. Sure. Of course. That moment when you get your heart broken for the very first time and it is the most awful thing that you can undergo and somebody there puts their arm around you and says you're going to live through this. It's going to be okay. And how they know it's because their heart has already been broken and they're going to sit with you until you come back together. But that's part of living. And I think people who live good lives, live strong lives, experiential lives, have more stories to tell. So live, get out, run around, get in the dirt, get sunburned, get stung by a bee, get chased by a dog, (laughs) go buy an ice cream cone, ride a bike, jump out of an airplane with a parachute, of course. course. (laughs) Do the first time at a stand-up mic because those are experiences because that's happening to you happens to your body then you process it that's the brain the brain analeptic noetic noetic story
He's not some mythic superhero. He's real. <laughs> not some AI generated avatar. He's a real guy in Iowa City who does things and lives his life and sometimes right. tells stories. Am I right? You are. But I'm always your friend, Sean. <laughs> I'm always your friend. That's a good place to end it. Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. Special thanks to Mr. Corey Thomas May out in Iowa City, Iowa. Thank you, Corey, for joining me here and talking story stuff on The Grit Podcast. Check the show notes for upcoming events, including the Mental Health Happiest Hour. That is a virtual open mic. The next one is on Sunday evening, September 4th. We would love to have you as a storyteller or in the audience. And that is all for episode number 95. Wait for it, y'all. Wait for it. Boom.